Hey, this is Joseph Massonary. I'm the pastor at Cornerstone, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope this helps you build your faith. I hope in some way that God will challenge you with a new perspective as you listen. Enjoy the message. We started in week one with Mary Magdalene, and we remember how, my goodness, this woman dealt with seven demons, right? We think one would be enough, but we saw how she used what she had, and and she became the first person to announce that that tomb is empty, that Jesus is alive. Isn't that pretty amazing? Week two, we looked at this man called Joseph of Arimathea, this smaller print, Joseph, not one of the popular Josephs in the Bible. You had Joseph, the, 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 uh, the prime minister, the man who organized Egypt through a drought, right? And, and some of us might know him as Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat, if you're a Broadway fan, right? That Joseph's a big deal. Joseph, the father of Jesus, the husband to Mary, the man that wasn't afraid to take Mary as his wife. He was a big deal. Last week we spoke about Joseph of Arimathea. Well, his little part in this co-starring role this Easter ensemble was that he gave Jesus something he gave him he was forever known as the man that gave Jesus a tomb well as we continue on in this series we're going to look at another uh, individual but when we when we look at all of these different ensemble cast members they all have a moment where they they come to the plate they step up and they play a little part in this grand puzzle that points people to Jesus. They play a part and they point us to this risen Savior that in a few weeks we're going to celebrate on Easter Sunday. You know, one thing before we begin, I, I want to kind of just begin with this idea helping us to hopefully recognize that if you don't know it already, you and I, we aren't much different from these ensemble cast members that we read about in the Bible. Oftentimes we look at heroes of the faith and we think, oh my goodness, I could never, I could never. But then when you really dig into God's word, you realize that they are like us in so many ways. And we still get to be a part where we get to declare that Jesus is alive. That we get to play our part even today, 2,000 years later, we get to be a part of this, this Easter ensemble cast that says, you know what, no, hope has a name. He is alive, that tomb is empty, Jesus is alive, and because he is alive, hope is alive. Someone say amen in God's house, right? Amen. Well, this morning, as we get going, we want to pass out an invitation to you to our Easter services. And some of you are like, Joey, I don't need an invitation for Easter. I'm here all the time. I'll be there, pal, right? Well, you know what? This is all the information you need, but you can also use this to invite someone else. We have just like thousands of these, so take 10, take 20, take two or three, but this is all of our information coming on Easter Sunday, celebrating that hope is alive. Our Good Friday services, our sunrise service, and our morning services on Easter Sunday. So we good to go on that? Does everybody have them? You can keep passing them out. While we're handing them out, we're going to look at one of the disciples today. I like to call him a an OG disciple, one of the original 12. He is mentioned in Matthew and Mark and Luke, but he's mentioned only in list form. Unlike Mary Magdalene and unlike Joseph of Arimathea, they're mentioned in all four Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. 
uh, this disciple that we are going to speak about, really he only takes center stage a couple times, and that's found in the Gospel of John. This man, this disciple, historians believe that after the resurrection, he traveled and he took the Gospel east. He, was, he took the Gospel outside of the Roman Empire, traveling east. It's believed that he was stabbed with a spear. It's believed that he was martyred in India. We know him, you know him today as the disciple named Thomas. Would you turn to someone and say, Thomas, let's get into it today. We're going to talk about, we know from, from Scripture, um, this Scripture this that we're going to jump into, John chapter 20, it picks up directly after week one sermon when we spoke about Mary Magdalene. So if you remember week one, and how many of us, has anybody here gone online lately and seen our sermons? Anybody? Like, oh, everybody's like, no, I came to church, which that's amazing. <laughs> I do have to say, uh, in which we don't, we don't call him out too often, but Darnell, our sermons look amazing. He was, he was, we got like higher and higher definition, right? But I want to just, um, I, I, I've become like a little bit of a YouTuber lately, and all the YouTubers I watch, they all say, smash the like button. Right, smash the like button. It helps helps us get views. But I want to invite you, if you've missed a sermon, smash the like button. Right? Jump on, get on there and, and check it out. It's it's good stuff. But week one, if you missed it, we spoke about Mary Magdalene. And we left off right here where she leaves and she, she runs back to the disciples and she announces to them, who then announce it to the world, she breaks this news for the first time. She says, I have seen the Lord. I've seen him. I've seen the risen Savior. I've seen the Messiah. So we're going to pick up right after week one's message, John chapter 20, verse 19. Are you with me there, church? Let's get into the word today, and we're going to start in verse 19. And if you have a digital Bible, it is that time to turn it on. If you have a paper Bible, it's that time to open it up. And let's get into it today. Starting in verse 19, when it was evening on that first day of the week, so we're talking a Sunday here, folks. The disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. Jesus came, stood among them, and said to them, peace be with you. This is an interesting portion of Scripture, and we could hang out here all day, really. There's just so much going on. One thing that stands out to me, I'm just going to go off notes a little bit, but you know what's interesting? Did you pick up on the, on the, John is so detailed in his gospel. Do you pick up on the mood in the room? Like, you got the disciples huddling together, and it says what about the doors? It says the doors are locked because why? It says because they're, they're fearful. They're fearful that these, these Jews, they're going to get a hold of them. They're going to do what they did to Jesus, right? It says they are, they are locked behind closed doors. And look what happens. Jesus shows up. It says Jesus came, stood among them, said to them, peace be with you. I find this so interesting because clearly the resurrected Jesus, we know in Scripture when we talk, and we're going to see today, there were people who touched his resurrected body. Mary was one of them. We're going to see Thomas is one of them, right? In the next chapter, if you skip ahead and you could study this this week, John chapter 21, we're going to see that Jesus eats with the disciples. So it's very clear that his, his, his resurrected body, it was well, it was touchable, right? It was, there was something to it. But when we get into Scripture, it seems like when Jesus had risen, it seems like this resurrected body was different. 
it seems like when you read scripture, it seems like his resurrected body now has no limitations. It says they were huddled up, they were scared for their lives, and Jesus apparently now passes through locked doors, right? That's kind of what we read into here. He kind of passes through and he can do what he wants to do. Later we know that his resurrected body would ascend on a cloud to heaven, right? So his body is capable of things we cannot imagine or understand, yet he's there. And the Apostle Paul tells us, right, and I love this promise to us, that our resurrected bodies will be like his. He says when we see him, we will be what? Like him. Remember that in scripture that Paul writes? Exciting stuff to be, to to think about. But look at this greeting that Jesus says. Very end of verse 20, Jesus says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. He comes in He sees the disciples gathering together with locked doors. And can I be really honest in church this morning? This is why Jesus is so amazing. Because when he sees the woman at the well, what does he do? He says, says, lady, I know what you're about. He says, lady, I know who you've been with. I know how many times you've been married. I know what you've done. And he just says, you know what, it's, it's time to change. It's time to go and sin no more. When he eats dinner and he looks across the table through the Pharisees at the woman who's weeping, right? Jesus, his character never changes. I would have literally shown up, walked through that, di- uh, that door that was locked and seen the disciples and said, where were you guys all at the cross? That would have been what I would have said. Thanks a lot, bro. Thought you had my back, Peter. Right? right? I knew you were going to chicken out when the rooster crowed, right? That's right. I would have shown up and I would have said, thanks a lot, right? Where were you? The only one was the disciple who he loved was the only one to show up, right? Where were the rest of you guys? Jesus shows up and his character never changes. I love that scripture on the wall. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He still declares, you know what? He says, peace be among you. Right then, it's like this act of forgiveness, like guys, You blew it a couple days ago, but it's okay. You're still my boys. You're still my boys. Verse 20, having said this, let's get back into the word. He showed them his hands, and now he showed them his side. So when the disciples saw his hands and his side, it says they rejoiced when they saw the Lord. 21, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Kind of a precursor, right, to what is going to come in the book of Acts, right? But he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. And Jesus shows up. But let's look at kind of something that we see in verse 24. Would you read verse 24 with me? But Thomas, called twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So we have the ten gathered up, and if we just do the math, we know at this point, right, Judas, Nomas, the disciples that are alive are down to what? Eleven, and we can just kind of process of elimination. There are now ten disciples gathered one of them is missing and this is the man we are going to talk about today where's thomas thomas where are you at thomas why are you not hanging out with the boys he wasn't present to experience the comeback of comebacks thomas wasn't he showed them the hands he showed them the side and thomas missed it thomas wasn't there so let's look at verse 25 so the other disciples 
They were telling him, Thomas, Thomas, you gotta, we've seen the Lord. Thomas, you got to believe us, we've seen the Lord. Let's finish this verse. But Thomas said to them, if I don't see the mark of nails in his hands, if I don't put my finger into the mark of nails and put my hand into his side, I will never believe. That's what Thomas says. I won't believe it. I will never believe it. Thomas is like, you guys have been locked up in this room for too long. You guys are hearing things, you're seeing things, because I know what I saw two days ago. I know what I saw a few days ago, right? I know what was going on. You guys have lost it. And this is that moment in Scripture where Thomas receives what I think is probably the most unfair label in maybe the history of Christianity or a label that the church has placed upon him, kind of an appraisal of his character that I don't think is very accurate, right? Verse 26 A week goes by. A week later, the disciples were indoors again. And here we go. This time, the whole team is present. This time, it's not 10. This time, it's 11. I think it's interesting. Something happens when everybody gets together, right? Thomas was with them, even though the doors were again locked. Jesus came. And stood among them, and again he said, peace be with you. And I love verse 27, because Jesus is God. He knows what took place days earlier. He knows the thoughts. He knows the commentary. He knows what was going on. He was listening, even though Thomas didn't realize he was listening. He just jumps out there and and addresses the elephant in the room, the doubt in the room, the prior comments that were made about him right if I don't see his hands if I don't touch his side I will not believe is what Thomas said and Jesus walks in says peace peace with you guys and he says Thomas come over here let's look away Thomas he says verse 27 Thomas put your finger here Thomas look at my hands Thomas reach out your hand and put it into my side now Thomas don't be faithful but believe Verse 28, Thomas responded to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. He says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Let's continue in this passage this morning and just let it all soak in. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. I love the Gospel of John. Can I just say that? I love, I love how he just talks about this. Verse 31, but these are written so that you may believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Have you ever read the very end of the Gospel of John? It talks about that Jesus said and did many more things that were written about. He says, I suppose if I were to write down all of it, There wouldn't be enough books to fill up. But I'm trying to give you the highlight reel, right? I'm trying to give you the the, the good stuff, the most important stuff. I'm trying to give you enough that you will recognize without a shadow, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that he is the Messiah. We have enough eyewitnesses accounts that you will recognize that he is Lord, that you will see enough for yourself to be convinced that he is the king of kings. Number one, would you write this down in your notes? We're going to move through a couple things. It's very easy to be skeptical in today's world. 
Would you put that in your notes today? It's very easy. We, we think of Thomas and we label him this doubter. I, I relate to him so much. You know, have you ever been around someone who you just know something they are saying, something they, they are bragging about, something they are exaggerating about, or even something as simple as like sports commentary talk? Have you ever been around someone that you know what they're saying is wrong? You're just very skeptical of what's coming out, right? You're kind of like, you know what they're saying is wrong, but you don't want to be that guy or that girl who like calls them out in front of everybody and says, yo, knucklehead, that didn't happen in 2006, that happened in 2003, right? And today it's like so easy to call people out, like, because we can just do a quick search with our thumbs, right? And we can say, uh, you know, who, who, who won the World Series, I don't know, in 2006, right? And we can quickly have these answers it's easy to prove people wrong because we have so much information at the tip of our fingers. You know, but I don't know if you're like me. Usually when I hear someone, whether it's like bragging or exaggerating or embellishing a story, I'll be honest, I rarely like call anybody out about it. Usually I'll like grab my phone, I'll Google a few things, and then I'll like let the conversation end. And not that I would ever gossip, right, as we talked about the tongue a few weeks ago, but usually it's easier to be like, once that person has left the conversation, you're like, bro, did you hear that? Right? Right? Anybody, anybody who giggles like, yeah, we've done that, right? They kind of leave and you're like, dude, what, what on earth? Like, what, what on earth are they thinking, right? The disciples, they get to Thomas and they give him this information and they're like, Thomas, dude, Thomas, he's back. Thomas, he's back, and, and, and Thomas is, uh, it's fair to say, he's pretty skeptical at this point. Thomas hears this information, he hears this news, and he reacts in a way that I think actually, get this church, I think it's normal. We call him Doubting Thomas, that's the nickname that's lived on for him, but I think, man, he, 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 I, I honestly believe, putting myself in that room, I would have responded just like Thomas. He missed it. Jesus showed up. He shows the, the, the ten his hands. I would have shown up to that room and been like, dude, you guys are on something. You guys are seeing something. I would have shown up. I would have been just like Thomas in this situation, the way he reacted. Read this scripture with me. It says, but he said to them, if I don't see the nails in his hands, if I don't put my finger into the mark of the nails, and I don't put my hand into his side, I will never believe because remember, we're just days removed of his Messiah being humiliated, right? Grief takes on many forms for all of us, right? Maybe Thomas is the guy, it's like, Thomas, where were you? Why aren't you with the guys? And, and I, I think about his, his personality, right? He had just seen Jesus spat upon. He'd just seen this man that he dedicated his life to crucified made fun of for crying out loud they gambled over his clothes it was sick the bible says they mocked jesus until they ran out of the energy to, to mock him more basically they got tired of it he was brutally brutally crucified he was brutally killed and thomas had high hopes thomas had dreams thomas had dreams that this messiah would reign and rule in this new kingdom being set up, it's, it's safe to say that he is devastated, that he is heartbroken, like all the disciples would have been when Jesus was killed and put to death on that cross. 
And because of this scene and the way it plays out, it's like we look at this and the church has forever labeled him doubting Thomas when that is not what Scripture says about him, right? But it's a label that he gets and it's like this major mistake that like, how many of you are thankful we serve a God that doesn't identify us by our worst mistake? I mean, that is like eye-opening, right? But it's, it's, so, it's so our nature, it's human nature that like we identify people by something we remember or something that hurt us or something that traumatized us. But I'm so thankful, God, you know, think about it. Think about our God. The Bible says this about him, and this is hard for me to relate to. Uh, because, man, how many of us could, could imagine that like 2,000 years from now, they're going to still be talking about us, which is highly unlikely about any of us, Right? But how many of you could imagine in 2,000 years they're still mentioning your name and they associate you with this moment of failure? Like 2,000 years later, they associate you, oh, you're the doubter. Like that's all you ever did and that's all you, right? Could you imagine being identified 2,000 years ago as that kid in high school that cheated on a test? Or in college, whatever it was, right? Or that person who cheated on a spouse or, or was unfaithful to someone. Could you imagine forever 2,000 years being identified as that person who stole? Or that person who clocked out a little too early at work or took that, that shady little business deal? Could you imagine being identified as that person who lost your temper with your kids? Right? Or took that drug that one time or fell into that addiction? Like, could you imagine being identified that forever? I'm so thankful that we serve a God that doesn't identify us by our worst mistake. Instead, we serve a God that the Bible says when he looks at you, he actually doesn't see you at all, but he sees his son, Jesus Christ. When he looks at you, he sees Jesus covering you. He only sees his son, which is even hard for us to do because many times we view ourselves through a lens of our own mistakes, don't we? And yet the Bible says, no, 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 that's not the way God sees you. He sees you as new. He sees you as covered. He sees you as precious. He sees you as his own. So when we think, God, you know what, I've just, I've blown it. I've, I've messed up. I'm too far away, whatever it is. God, I messed up as a dad today. I lost my temper with my kids. God, I, I was a mom and I lost my temper on the way here. I blew it, right? God sees his son Jesus covering his people covering those moments number two being honest honest skepticism isn't always a bad thing sometimes that brutal honesty leads us to answers right that wrestling leads us to truth thomas had this nature about him that i think he just wasn't going to recite the lord's prayer because someone told him to He's got a personality that he needs to understand the why. He needs to understand the heart. He needs to understand the purpose behind it, right? John chapter 14, and I, I love this scene. If you have a Bible, would you open? Just jump back a few chapters. We're hanging in John today. John chapter 14, verse 1, and we're going to read a few. And even today, I, I, if I put myself in this situation, I would be that kid in class, just it's all going over my head at this point. Jesus speaks to the disciples and he says, do not let your heart be troubled. Troubled, believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, 
you may also be, you know the way to where I am going. You know, we have the benefit of reading this scripture on the, on the other side as this picture has now been completed for us. Put yourself in this conversation for just a moment and look at verse 1 through 4 and can anybody pretend like if you were there in that moment with Jesus, he's teaching to you, he's talking to you and I, and, and I think Thomas, this is what I love about, we're going to look at Thomas's personality, he's the only one with the guts that said, Jesus, I don't know what the heck you're talking about. How many of us look at this scripture, like if you were in that situation, he's saying, I, my father's house are many rooms? What? If we're not so, I would, I'm going to prepare a place for you? Jesus, I thought you were going to be the Messiah. Jesus, I thought you were going to bring a, a, an end to the Roman Empire, right? Look at verse 5. Here's the man who taught. Here's Thomas. Here's a glimpse into his personality. Lord, Thomas said, <laughs> we don't know where you're going. And how can we know the way? It's a nice way of saying, Lord, what the heck are you talking about? Lord, what, what, this is going way over my head, right? Jesus is speaking to everyone, and I think all the other disciples are sitting there, and they're like that kid in class. Did anybody go to college, and there was always that annoying young man or young woman in the front row that like always raised their hand and just liked to hear themselves talk, and they always pretended to be really smart, and they just like nod and smile. They'd ask all these questions, right? But I think all the disciples are sitting there and they're like nodding and smiling. And Thomas is like, maybe he's that guy off to the side or he's that guy in the back that he just says, you know what? Y'all don't have a clue what the teacher's saying right now. Y'all have a clue. You don't understand a thing going on right now. Thomas is the only guy that's like honest in the room, not acting like he, he knows it all. And he, he's like, Jesus, you need to lay this one out for me a little more. You need to tee this up for me. I have no idea what you're talking about. I have no clue how to get there. Would you tell me? Verse 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Jesus gave Thomas this assurance that he said, you know, Thomas, this is a good question. And Thomas, what I'm telling you is if you have a relationship with me, then you know God. Thomas, if you know me, you are good to go, right? He, he confirms this fact for us as Christ followers that uh, the, 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 the road to God, the pathway to God, it's not necessarily a road or a path at all. It's a person, and that person is Jesus. And that is what Jesus declared about himself. He, he, he is the, the universal access point to an eternal God that we are unworthy to approach. And Jesus says, it's me. You can approach him through me. Number three. I hope we can relate to this this morning. Every believer here, and this applies to Thomas, this applies to Peter, this applies to each of us today. Every believer can be spiritually strong one moment and spiritually deflated the next there's this section of scripture where Jesus doesn't rush home to heal a friend. Think of a friend that goes to the hospital, a friend that's been checked into UMC or wherever, whatever part of town you live in. Jesus and the disciples get word that a friend of theirs, this guy who has been helping in their ministry, is sick. His name is Lazarus, and like a good friend, Jesus rushes off to go pray with him. Actually, that's not the way this story 
pans out in John chapter 11, Jesus does something that to me seems very confusing. Jesus actually decides to not go to his friend right away. This man named Lazarus is sick and they get word that he's sick and Jesus says, that's okay, we're going to hang out here a little longer. And in fact, it almost seems like if you read scripture, it seems like Jesus waits and obviously we know the intention because we see the full picture now. But imagine being the disciples and now we know why the ladies are upset with him. We know why Lazarus' sister is upset when Jesus shows up. You waited for him to die before you would get on your feet and make the journey? Right? That's what happens here. Jesus is like, word came that Lazarus was dead. And when he gets that word, Jesus is like, okay, now it's time to go. Now it's time. We waited for him to die. Now it's time to go visit him. So let's pick this story up, and, and this is an interesting story which we could have a whole other message on, but I want to highlight some comments from Thomas. Chapter 11 of the book of John, verse 14, so Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and then he says this in verse 15, I'm glad for you that I wasn't there so that you may believe, but now that he's died, let's go to him. And then Thomas, they're talking about, it. They're, they're equating some of this with a dangerous journey, right? But Thomas jumps out, look at verse 16, and this is, you know, characteristics about a man where we talked about, you know, this appraisal of his character as a doubter isn't quite accurate because look at him now. Verse 16, then Thomas called, he said to his fellow disciples, let's go too so that we may die with him. Let's go with Jesus, right? He knew things were heating up. This was getting towards the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, right? Yes, there was a time where Jesus was very popular, but now he's, he, he is inciting the wrath of the Jews. And, and Jesus is like, all right, I'm going to go back. We're going to go visit Lazarus. And Thomas says, let's go back. And if they take Jesus, they're gonna, they can kill me too. But let's go, right? This, is like, this, isn't, a, this isn't doubting Thomas. This is heroic Thomas, right? This is a man who's brave. This is a man who is back and he's walking the walk and talking the talk. He's backing it up. But it's a humble reminder to me that as Christ followers, each of us have the capacity to do the right thing in one moment and absolutely blow it in the next moment, right? We can be spiritually strong in one moment and we can be spiritually deflated in the next. We see that in the Old Testament when Elijah, right, he, he, he takes on all these prophets and he does the amazing, he calls down fire, he sprints down a mountain, he outruns horses, and then he gets depressed and wants to kill himself a moment later, right? This is a moment where Thomas, we see that in that room he may have blown it, but it wasn't necessarily his, his, his character all the time, and yet he got the nickname Doubting Thomas. I think sometimes you just wonder, did Thomas walk away from that cross experience just grieving in his own way? Maybe he didn't want to be around the other ten at the moment. Maybe he didn't want to hide in the room with everybody else, right? In that moment, yes, he doubted, but we see that he willingly put his life on the line. He was brave for Jesus. He was ready to die with Jesus. And now maybe he just feels like he's just been totally abandoned. All the dreams, all the hopes, all the desires that they had, everything is just over. I want to point this out as we close and get ready to wrap this up today. Number four, 
This is something that I think maybe we underestimate the correlation between absence and unbelief. And it's this little trick, it's this little lie, you know, that like your presence doesn't matter. Or you can just, you know, check in once a week online, right? This, this new world that we live in. And we love, I mean, heck, I, I was promoting YouTube and promoting getting online with high definition, right? But there's this, I think here, herein lies, like, I think the, what led to Thomas's doubt? Here's what I think it was, is he wasn't present. He didn't show up. Let's look at it in John chapter 20, verse 21, where Scripture clearly tells us that 10 gathered on a Sunday... And yet Thomas wasn't with him. Verse 21, kind of circling. You see where we're going here? We're circling all the way back, folks, to the very first passage today. John chapter 20, verse 21. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And you retain the sins of any, they are retained. And here we go. Verse 24, Thomas called twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The disciples gathered. The disciples tried to stick together through thick and thin. Maybe the disciples had felt like this fire, this love for Jesus was, was going out, but they gathered together trying to keep the band together. Like coals trying to stay hot, like, a, you know, like, <laughs> like they're, they're trying to keep the pack close. And for some reason... You know, I, I don't think he was out shopping. For some reason, Thomas was absent. For some reason, Thomas removed himself from the body. For some reason, Thomas removed himself. We could say it like this. This was a small group before small groups were cool, right? Thomas pulled himself out of, of, of his, the, the guys he was accountable to. Thomas, he, he separated himself from the people who knew him best, Right? And I think of us even today, it's like such a lie culturally that like your presence doesn't matter, where in essence, sometimes presence is all that matters, right? And sometimes just being there is all that matters. Hebrews 10, verse 23 through 25, it says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. I don't know about you, it's easier to waver from hope. It's easier to let go of hope. It's easier to doubt God constantly. It's easier to discourage people and bicker with people when we separate ourselves from God's house. It's way easier to doubt when I don't show up, right? It's way easier to waver in our faith. It's way easier to lose hope when we don't spend time in God's house. And yet that very simple truth it seems to just go over our head time and time again, right? I think history should teach us that we don't need to go it alone, and yet it seems like a lesson we need to hear now more than ever. Verse 25, 24. Verse 24, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of what? Love and good works. It's not saying motivate one another for some self-help, selfish thing, right? It says to be people of action who express love and show people good works. And here we go, verse 25. When you feel abandoned, when you feel like you have questions, 
when you feel skeptical that like is all of this even for a purpose is all of this even is there even a reason to believe in this God in this Jesus when you have doubt or questions I would say it like that that is the time to press into God's house not run away from God's house here it is in Hebrews 10 it says let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do but encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near church if there's one thing I think culturally we need in America far more than maybe any other country in the world we are blessed financially we're blessed in so many different ways We need to be a church in America that's a Hebrews 10 church. <laughs> I mean, you, you look at what COVID has done to the church in America. I can't speak for other countries, but you look at what a, a pandemic has done to the church in America. <laughs> it, it, it shows what our relationships were all about. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now, because his return is drawing near. I think, without a shadow of a doubt, a doubt, doubting Thomas, right? Without, with no doubt in my mind, what fueled Thomas's doubt was his absence. Absence fueled that fire, that, that, that problem that he was walking through, right? And there's a time as Christians where we make a mistake and we isolate ourselves we refuse to meet with people, right? And oftentimes that's the very moment, that's the very time we should be seeking fellowship. We should be seeking wisdom. We should be asking people tough questions. We should be able to be in an environment where it's okay for someone to say, you know what, I'm struggling with this doubt. I'm struggling with this relationship. Some things as we close that I just think are pretty cool about Thomas. Uh, we could add some extra points if we want, but... Uh, Thomas was not a fake. Maybe would you write that down in your notes this morning? I think that's interesting about Thomas. Thomas wasn't going to fake anything. He wasn't going to pretend. He wasn't going to pretend to be that kid in class that understands everything, that just nods and smiles, yet he has no idea what the professor's talking about, right? Thomas wasn't going to pretend that his doubts weren't real, that his doubts didn't exist. But here's the thing about Thomas. When Thomas was sure... When Thomas touched Jesus' hands, when Thomas was certain he didn't play games, but he went all in. He jumped completely in. I would say it like this. Thomas doubted in order that he might believe. Thomas doubted in order that he would become certain. Thomas doubted in order that he would become sure of who Jesus was was as we close here's the closing idea Danette would you come up and just close us on keys this morning John chapter 20 verse 26 a week later his disciples were indoors again and Thomas was there this time even though the doors were locked Jesus came and stood among them and said peace be with you and then he said Thomas put your finger here and look at my hands Thomas reach your hand over here and put it into my side don't be faithless Thomas but believe and here, we skip this kind of in the beginning. This is what theologians say is one of the most succinct statements of who Jesus is. 
for a man that was raised in the Jewish faith because Thomas says to this person on earth, he calls him Lord and he calls him God. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. See, Thomas made this choice. He jumped in. He said, I don't need to be uncertain anymore. And the rest of his life, Thomas would demonstrate that he was anything but doubting Thomas. As I said earlier, he traveled and it's thought that he was assigned to go east and he preached the gospel. History, history, historians tell us that he preached in Parthia, he preached in India, and he was, he was martyred, it's believed by some priests that he upset in India. And it's, it's believed that he was, get this, thrust through, we go back to that, he was thrust through with a spear. It's interesting to me. So this man that we label as Doubting Thomas, I'm guessing there was a moment where they said, hey, you guy preaching, preaching, preaching to us on this continent, right? I'm guessing there was a moment where they told him, if you want to live, you need to stop saying what you're saying. If you don't want to see this spear ran through your body, you need to shut your mouth right now. And I can't help but think that Thomas saw that spear, and think of it as last moments. I just wonder if his last moments were like, you know what? I've seen that spear. I've seen that side of my Savior. I put my hand on his ribs. I put my hand next to his heart, where the Bible says that water just poured out, right? And I can't help but think Thomas faced that moment, and he didn't face it with fear. He didn't face it with regret. He faced it knowing, oh my gosh, my Lord and my God has a place for me and I'm not going to shut my mouth. I'm not going to I'm not going to not share this story because what I have seen is just too good to not believe. What I have seen it's too good to not tell you about. And so here we have Thomas that stood fearless in front of this 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 incoming moment where he died. And I love this Easter Ensemble series because we got Thomas, we have Mary Magdalene, we have Joseph of Arimathea. All of them had seen Jesus do something. That's what the book of John tells us. He says, you know what, I'm going to give you an account. I'm going to let you know, church, right, that you don't need to doubt because you've seen enough. You've seen what he can do. We've told you, right? And we can declare, just like Thomas, these, this, this succinct statement of our faith, Jesus, you are my Lord, and you are my God. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray, church. God, we love you. We thank you for this time. We ask you to continue stir up in us a sense of confidence, a sense of fearlessness in a world that is so afraid, in a world that is... God, we see our world, and it's heartbreaking. We see people taking advantage of others. God, we see war. God, we see things that are unjust. We see people being injured and killed. We see innocent people dying. God, we see moments and things that are just breaking your heart. Father, I, I just ask that you would encourage us to remember, God, we are here in this moment of history to still be on your team, to still be in this story, to still declare the story of Easter, to still be Easter people, to still be people, God, that we are in the ensemble cast. We get to continue out this story and you placed us in this moment of history for such a time as this to declare that you are King of Kings. God, give us words that bring peace in the workplace. God, give us words that bring peace to the broken. 
God, let us be fearless in a world that's so fearful only for the fact and because of the fact that Jesus is alive. This morning, I want to give you an opportunity just to make that statement like Thomas. Maybe you're here with some skepticism, and that is totally cool. Maybe you're here and you've been doubting a little bit. That is totally okay. Each of us has a moment. We would be lying if we said, oh, no, you know what? We're just, my faith is so strong. I've always just been 100, man. Been 100%. Maybe you're here this morning and you've just been doubting. You've been skeptical. I want to give you a, a moment where, just like Thomas, maybe you need to just declare these simple words. Jesus, you are my Lord. And Jesus, you are my God. And by doing that, you acknowledge who he is. You acknowledge a bent knee to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the Bible says that when you acknowledge him on earth, that he will acknowledge you in front of the Father in heaven. And so I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. Is there anyone here that you want to say, you know what, I I don't want to declare today you are my Lord and my God. Would you just lift your hand or would you just lift your eyes? One, two, and three. Would you just lift it up if you want to say, Jesus, you are Lord. I see you back there, young man. Anybody else over here? I see you over there. I see you two back over there. I see you, young lady, over there. Can we say that together? Jesus, you're my Lord. Come on, church, let's all say it. Jesus, you're my Lord. Let's say it. Come on, Jesus, you're my God. Thank you for the cross. Jesus, thank you price you paid so that God the Father no longer sees my sin and my mistakes, but he just sees you. He sees you. He sees that lamb that was led to the slaughter on the cross. But God, we know we have so much to be excited about for Easter because it didn't stop at the cross. It didn't stop at the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, but you jumped out of that tomb. And you walked and you were seen by many. And you healed people. And then you ascended. And you're making an appeal for us. God, may we go with a sense of confidence to share that simple truth that five hands declare today. Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus, you are my God. God, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Make us bold. Give us faith. God, help us to be like Thomas. God, help our doubts to make us strong. Use our doubts to make us confident. Use our skeptical questions to make us sure and certain. But God, one of the best ways we can do it, God, is simply by being present, by showing up. God, help us to not be like Thomas that moment when he separated himself from the ten. Because that separation only increased that doubt. That separation only increased that relationship that was further and further from you. It fueled that unbelief for a moment. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Can all God's people today say amen? Can we applaud him? Can we praise him? Can we say amen? Amen.
Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those who give to Cornerstone. You know, it's because of you, our ministry, it's possible. Uh, You can click the link in the description to give now or visit us at cornerstonelv.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe. You can share it with friends, share it with family. Help us spread God's word. You can also join us live every Sunday. We invite you 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We stream service live. Thank you again for listening.